0: It's not easy always to tell a great story, especially when the details are foggy. So I apologize if any of the following story is out of sequence, but I'll do the best I can. And I don't like writing these stories down before I tell them. I'd been divorced for five years. And my brother happened to work in New York with his family and I decided to go and visit him right in the middle of Manhattan. I stayed there at his house uh, at much to the chagrin of his wife um, with their two children and uh, enjoyed all the fruits of living in New York, uh, doing very little work, some but mostly remote and enjoying everything New York had to offer. During this time, I attended a drumming workshop, of all things, and I met Kaya and David. They invited me to come and live in their house, which I did. Of course, I had to leave America I'd been there three months so I went to Mexico stayed down there for a while and then came back to New York with a new visa. I moved in with Kyron and David and David was an incredible drummer and I really enjoyed being with them and in that time we used to have drumming parties at their house goodness knows the neighbors must have been pissed off but anyway, we had drumming parties with 10 or 15 people, and I met Kuuipo. Kuuipo was a uh, Hawaiian woman, and she taught uh, lomi lomi massage. And not long after that, Kuuipo Kuu and I formed a relationship and basically started living together way up on the upper um, west side of new york of manhattan i think that was around 130th or 140th and uh that relationship was fantastic we went to california a few times where she was brought up and with that i got introduced to a group of people who uh who really loved poetry so i started writing and presenting poetry in a poetry uh room and um Sold my little poetry books and enjoyed, I guess what you could say at this time, a bohemian life. Anyway, David and Kaya, they knew some people in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I took a train and went down to Santa Fe, New Mexico by myself. And there I met a family who were um, of the Jain sect and they were working on non-violence in the movies And they were working for Steven Spielberg. And I got to meet him and I got to meet a few of the other uh, directors, including Scorsese and a few others, because I volunteered to help them work on the project. As part of this project, they had a friend whose name was. uh, uh, Anyway, she was a Native American woman. I'm gonna stop this video for a minute and see if I can remember her name. Shauna Baer. Shauna Bear was a powerful woman who uh, was the derivative child of a German and a Native American woman. And she was a really high priestess in Native American tradition in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in that area. And Sean O'Bear taught me so many things, including a lot of the mysticism of the shamans and the alternative life of the Native American people. And I really fell in love with that whole culture much more than ever before. And in the time I'm staying there at Santa Fe, I met many, many Native American people, especially in galleries where I just loved the artwork. I ended up doing a shamanic training, uh, or teaching with a, a pipe carrier from a, from a community in, of Native American people and, uh, we spent a lot of time, um, out in the, in the desert near Santa Fe doing training and all sorts of m- mystical, uh, things down at Sedona. Anyway part of this introduced me to a woman um, her name was Sylvia Stybolt that's right and Sylvia Stybolt was famous in America for painting angels and i ended up living at her place for a month in her in her art gallery which was actually an angel center and she'd built this thing out of um, a very, very old church that she'd bought in Mexico and had all the pieces of wood. I think it was, she claimed it was 800-year-old uh, wood. And the doors were so thick and the walls were so beautiful. And this place was where Sylvia really uh, went off on her painting expeditions. And she was, her paintings were miraculous. And I loved her work. And I met, uh, that, and that's where I met Stephen. Uh, what's his name? Costner. Um, Kevin. Kevin Costner. Anyway, I met him because he was a sponsor of Sylvia, and they had so many great. Uh, connections and friends and she was famous all over and i entered ended up actually introducing sylvia steiboldt to peter crisp who has an art gallery down there at yas if you're ever driving down past there you'll see um a plant a, a beautiful lavender plantation and art gallery and that's peter and i introduced peter to sylvia and he did some uh, angels immersed in glass in his glassware which is pretty phenomenal anyway <clears throat> the people I was staying with in Santa Fe they knew a guru at an ashram back in New York and so I ended up catching a train back to New York to, to New York State and staying at this ashram with this guy who was um, a music healer and the this ashram was uh, Hundreds of millions of dollars worth of property uh, Beautifully manicured lawns And incredible big buildings And, and the, the guru and all the disciples Spent all day making music And hitting drums And beautiful sounds that were healing To both individuals and the world um, It was at that that uh, Sylvia and I uh, had a, a disruptive conversation because she wanted more than music at the ashram and I didn't. And so she left and I befriended the people at the ashram who, as it turns out, had an office at the United Nations because they represented the Jain sect at the United Nations and they were there um, to share the work of peace in the world and so i became part of that community as well at the united nations when i went back to new york city at this time i was still going up and down to uh, canada helping some work with some indigenous communities and there was a young girl there who got into a bit of trouble which is another story (laughs) and she eventually through the coaching ended up speaking at the Youth Congress on World Peace at the United Nations through this contact. And so these two beautiful people that I work with at the UN and visited their offices and, and uh, shared some incredible times at the United Nations were also open to helping the United, uh, First Nation people of Canada. And so this expanded their work and also mine. And so the story went on that I met another person in New York and her work was going around at that time giving uh, medication to people with AIDS who were um, basically confined to their houses. She was an amazing person and we formed a relationship and I ended up uh, going with her up to Harlem to a facility that had been created by a church, I think the Catholic Church, I'm not sure, for children who'd been born to addicted parents. Now, I don't know if you know this, but kids who are born to a parent with a heroin addiction are born with the addiction. People who are born very often to a parent who has AIDS will have AIDS. And so, the work at the hospital for the, for the staff was really intense because most kids didn't have a life expectancy much more than five. My job when I went there and volunteered at this hospital was to read stories to the children. And the hard part about this was that you'd read a story to a child and then I'd go back a couple of days later to do to volunteer my work again and that particular child's room was empty and, uh, you never knew when it was going to happen. This is such an amazing facility in New York. I'm sure it's different now because there's probably more money and more facility, but at that time it was a, a incredible gift to the communities. Interestingly enough for me, I'm a white guy from from Australia, and here I am walking through the dark, some pretty heavy, uh, areas of Harlem that aren't familiar with a white guy walking down there, um, with a school bag over his shoulder. And, but eventually they got to know I was volunteering at this facility and I became befriended by the community and looked after as I worked. So this whole period of my life, um, forms a, a, a bubble, if you, if you will. <clears throat> it ends with a phone call from my ex-wife saying that the children I hadn't seen for, I think, seven years, physically been in their presence for seven years, were, um, going to bring their yacht to the Hamptons to be repaired and so I was able to catch a train out and see them for the first time in a very long time and I remember renting a ho- a hotel room they couldn't stay with me overnight she wouldn't allow that but she would give me a couple of hours with them so I went to a hotel room I decorated it full of balloons and toys and playthings and um, uh, cakes and goodness knows what the door knocks and there's the three kids, but I'm down on my knees ready to look into their eyes. And here they were <laughs> standing adult height above me. Uh, the kids had grown up and I hadn't translated that into physical, physical shape. And I just remember that as being closure for that particular trip. I came back to Australia not long after that and uh, re-establish myself back here, ready to go back and actually uh, build the business that I eventually built back in New York. The reason I'm sharing this story and the reason I'm being a little bit blase about the whole thing, because it's not something to be blase about, being invited into Native American culture and to be uh, indoctrinated into the shamanistic teachings and to be given opportunity to attend uh, an ashram and work with um, very influential people around the world, including the United Nations. The reason I put this into a bubble and talk about it as I am is because I have no idea how it all happened. It was like, for me now, this is like a dream that I had last night. and. Digging it up to talk about it is quite incredible because it's almost like I'm talking. <coughs> if you pardon me, I'm talking about somebody else. the The, the funny thing about time and and age and, and 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 history is whatever happens in the last period of time usurps whatever happened in a past period of time, and it's it's really easy to diminish it. And go oh that's history and it was in a time when you don't when i didn't have an iphone so i didn't take thousands and thousands of photos i probably took i had a camera no doubt because i always traveled with a camera um i i know for sure in that time i didn't change my clothes much i i had two pairs of jeans and a couple of shirts and i've seen photos of me in those jeans and shirts and they're not really all that attractive so I wasn't a f- fashionado, and I didn't put I didn't put pegs in the ground as such. But this was a f- really important part of of the foundation of inner wealth and the foundation of the knowledge that I have that I share in a coaching session. Because there's not a day goes by where something doesn't remind me of Shauna Bear, something doesn't remind me of the family in Santa Fe. There's not a day goes by where I don't have extreme gratitude for the time I spent in that ashram, and the incredible dignity that came with working in 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 the uh, United Nations, for Sylvia, for a person who could translate what was going on outside of her in the in her angel connections into a painting. It it these things just they cross my path on a on a daily, if not weekly basis. And they're never far from the reality of what's going on. But in terms of telling them as a story, it's getting harder and harder to remember. Um, so, look, that's a little bit of personal sharing. I hope you've enjoyed it. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.